For most adults, especially Americans, do not actually sleep well. About 35% of Americans are sleep deprived, which means sleeping about less than seven hours a night. And about 50 to 70 million U.S. adults have a sleep disorder, the most common being insomnia, about 30% with short-term issues and about 10% with chronic issues. And unfortunately, um, those types of issues worsen as we age. Older adults have higher rates of insomnia as well as other sleep disorders. They have more frequent overnight awakenings and shorter overall sleep time. And about half of older adults will report having some type of sleep problem. So why is sleep so important? Well, you know, sleep is clearly a biological process that's key to development and health. Um, we've been, it's been shown to be important for promoting growth, regulating metabolism, heart and lung function. Um, you know, the purpose of dreams is not exactly clear, but that's an important function that happens while sleep. Um, sleep is important to solidifying memories, as well as to clearing toxins from the brain. Um, and that's been an area of increasing interest over the last few years. Um, clearing toxins such as amyloid and tau proteins, which are key in the pathogenesis of Alzheimer's dementia, has been shown to happen as we sleep. Um, insomnia, obstructive sleep apnea, short sleep duration, and poor sleep quality have all been identified as independent risk factors for cognitive impairment and the development of Alzheimer's dementia and vascular dementia. Um, and we know that um, poor sleep is linked to issues with memory, attention, mood problems, as well as falls. So sleep really has a mechanistic impact on cognition, which we are still learning a lot about. In terms of insomnia, um, insomnia itself has a strong impact on health. Um, so what is insomnia? So some of the major um, signs of insomnia include, you know, difficulties with falling asleep, staying asleep, um, or waking too early and not being able to fall back asleep again. And it causes clinically significant impairment or distress in at least one of these key areas, um, including fatigue or low energy, daytime sleepiness, mood disturbances, behavioral difficulties, cognitive problems like impaired concentration, attention, or memory, impaired um, abilities to complete occupational or academic functions, impaired so interpersonal or social functioning, and it can also affect um, your caregiver or family um, functions. Diagnosing sleep apnea usually starts with a clinical evaluation with your um, doctor to rule out other medical problems that can interfere with sleep. Um, many times it can be helpful to get referred to a sleep specialist. Um, sometimes it can be helpful to track your nightly patterns of sleep with a sleep diary, um, looking at bedtime awakenings, your overall sleep quality, and the use of um, interfering substances like caffeine, alcohol, or medications. Um, there can be a number of questionnaires that can help to understand um, about these sleep symptoms as well as pre potential precipitating factors, lab tests to rule out other medical issues, and then even sleep studies. And the health consequences of insomnia are pretty broad. Poor sleep has been linked to metabolic issues such as obesity, heart problems, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, even immune dysfunction, as well as depression and anxiety. And some of this may be a little bit bi-directional in that sleep can cause these problems as well as some of these issues can worsen sleep as well. And another interesting point is that good quality sleep is really important for optimal immune function. Even a single night of poor sleep can actually affect inflammatory biomarker levels, 
lymphocyte counts, which are a key immune cell in the body, as well as your vaccine antibody response the following day. And so one of the notes I remember seeing when the COVID-19 vaccine came out was that having a good night's sleep before can actually make the vaccine more effective. And chronic poor sleep can actually upregulate in a immune system activity and affect how leukocytes are trafficked or brought to different sites of the body to help with um, fighting off infections. So our work in schizophrenia bipolar as well as healthy adults have shown that um, a lot of the night-to-night -night changes or variability of sleep patterns can actually be strongly associated with inflammation. And we've seen that people have more labile sleep patterns where they sleep very short amounts one night and maybe much larger amounts the next night. So the changes from night to night are larger for those folks. Actually, they have um, increased levels of inflammation or oxidative stress. So the other thing that many people will talk about is sleep hygiene. So when you don't have a diagnosed sleep disorder, there's a number of different things you can do to try to improve your sleep. Um, one key is, uh, point is to avoid caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, or exercise around bedtime, all stimulating, um, for the most part, stimulating things um, that may make it difficult to fall asleep, but also alcohol, if you're thinking about it as a sleep aid, may make you drowsy in the short term, but it may wear off before you're ready to actually wake up. Um, however, on the other hand, exercising regularly is important for, um, for maintaining and improving sleep quality overall, as long as it's not right before you go to bed. Having regular meals can be an important way to sort of re-regulate your body, to um, be sort of more aligned with regular circadian activities or circadian rhythms. Um, having regular bedtimes, even on weekends. Um, there's been some studies that show that catch-up sleep on the weekends is actually not um, associated with better um, cardiovascular health and having sort of that regular bedtime and wake time every day can be better for your body. I'm trying to schedule enough sleep. So at least seven hours of sleep can be very important. I'm having calming bedtime routines. So avoiding stimulating TV or stressful tasks right before sleep um, can help to avoid having anxiety or trouble falling asleep at night. Um, maintaining a dark, quiet, cool environment, trying to avoid having a lot of clocks in the bedroom. And then of course, using your bed only for sleep and sex. No eating, studying, TV, trying to avoid all these um, other associations of active things you might be doing in bed. All right, just to close, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some common sleep treatments for insomnia, as well as some general recommendations of how to improve your sleep. So focusing on insomnia, there's, um, there are a number of medications that people have been prescribed for sleep. So one common uh, group is called the Z drugs, which are specific um, medications that hit the benzodiazepine receptors, but are usually marketed specifically for sleep. You might've heard of um, Ambien or Zolpidem and other medications like that. And these medications um, on the bright side are best suited for acute issues and are often available through primary care doctors. Um, however, there, it does come with a number of side effects um, as well as you know, may not be useful for chronic long-term use. There's also a number of over-the-counter options that are um, that are uh, marketed for sleep issues. You might've heard of Sequel or you know, using Benadryl or Unisom. Um, there tends to be less dependence from those medications, but unfortunately similar, um, the efficacy often wanes when they're being used for chronic, um, for chronic treatment. There's also um, therapies that can be helpful. One in particular I'm gonna talk about is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, this treatment has been shown to be safe and effective. It has lasting effects on improving insomnia. However, it does require a bit of motivation on behalf of the 
um, patient. It does take time, often six weeks or more, and then it tends to be less accessible in terms of finding therapists who are skilled in CBTI for, um, for different uh, patients.